Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to our slash pro revenge, where people who've wronged others get exactly what they deserve. And in today's episode, a greedy business owner picks on OP's grandpa by trying to shut down his business and gets taught a lesson that he won't forget. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's lineup. Hit subscribe if you haven't. And as always, you can send or link your stories to this email right here. So I used to work at Wendy's as a manager. It was already a crappy job, but my GM was nice, and most employees were easy to deal with. So all this started when I was already working 65 hours a week. I was offered a $100 bonus to work one of my only days off in the month. I decided to do it, and later that week, before I'd even been paid, I was asked to come in again. I said this time I would like $150, because at this point, I'd worked almost 23 days without any days off. They said they'd do it, so of course I went in. Fast forward three weeks, and I'd been asking about my money for a while now. I'm told by my GM that I could speak to my district manager, as he would be in later that night. So the conversation basically goes like this. I asked, hey, do you know what's going on with my bonus? I'm owed like $250 with both the days I worked. The district manager tells me, well, that's why I came here. So your store has been having trouble making money. The guy was basically telling me that my performance wasn't good enough. At this point, I'm working dinner rush and the whole night with me and three others. My girlfriend, my best friend, and the other friend who's grown close. The district manager goes on and says, Listen, your shift isn't making as much money as others and your drive time is way higher. To which I tell him, Well, we're doing all we can. It takes extra time when we only have half the number of people with the same amount of customers. The manager tells me, Well, that's really no excuse. I then ask when I'm going to receive my bonus. Now, my district manager was a very sheepish man, so he's very obviously scared when he tells me this. He basically tells me, we can't give you a bonus until the revenue rises and drive time goes down. That's all I can tell you. Hearing him say that, I'm speechless at this point. The rest of the conversation was a blur. Now, I grew up on the south side. You don't mess with people's money. A day passes, and I've had time to collect myself and speak to my entire crew. Everyone agrees to walk out with me, so I call the district manager, and the phone starts to ring, but then it cuts off. The guy declined my call, so I called him again, and again, and again. Finally, I just leave him a voicemail saying, Look, Jacob, you really need to talk with me, and you have until 8.45 to call me back, or all the night crew is gone. At this point, it's 7.30, so I go into my office and start watching my boss's email. She leaves it open and logged in, and I figured he'd probably email her before calling me. Around 20 minutes of watching the email, boom, an email pops up. With the subject, emergency, Lonnie. This idiot actually put my name on the email, so of course I read it. Long story short, in the email, it was him trying to make sure my GM was going to be ready to go to work. AKA, he wasn't going to call me or give me my money. So I get all my people together and we walk out, leaving everything out. All the meats, all the toppings, the fryer, everything. The next day I turn in my keys, and about a week later, I'm called by my brother. I ask him, what's up? And my brother says, so Jacob lost all of his stores, he has to go back to Indiana. My brother worked at the store as well. 
If you don't know, the district manager's pay is based on the amount of stores they have and how much they make. When the guy moved to Indiana, his wages got reduced from $65,000 to around $40,000. All this for refusing to pay me $250. Guys, this is the perfect example of the district manager winning the battle but losing the war. And I've read enough stories on this sub to know the most important rule is never ever promise your employees you'll pay them X amount of money to work this amount when you don't plan on paying them at all. It never ends well. So this happened in the early 2000s when I joined a startup. We agreed on a salary and no paid overtime, and an evaluation in three months and then annually. Standard stuff mostly. It was a very mediocre salary for the job, but I really liked the work itself, which was extremely interesting and challenging. And for me, even if the finances were so-so, I felt I'd learn a lot of skills, which would be useful in the future. After three years and having 10 decent clients, and a bunch of clients trialing and money rolling in, the talk turned to back pay and paid overtime, plus compensating for past overtime. At that point, around $50,000 in overtime had been accrued, which is a lot. Legally, it couldn't be a back pay, so the talk was always a discretionary bonus. Now at that point, everyone is okay with this, myself included. It was also discussed in writing via company emails too, so I did feel secure that no bad will was in play. I felt the company should be able to afford the payment, and equally, I'd happily settle for equity at a discount, if cash flow was an issue. The discussions about back pay, possible equity, now started to drag on, and I was kind of getting irked by this. In the end, I was made an offer of equity, which meant the company valuation was far beyond anything reasonable. It was in the hundreds of millions, and I'd get a minuscule stake less than 0.01% of a company with 9 employees and a projected annual turnover of around $2 million. It was a major FU of sorts to stiff me out of money, and I didn't want to take that lying down. To say I was furious was an understatement. Anyway, the day he made that offer, I handed in my resignation. This sent the CTO into panic mode because the CEO had refused an updated contract, and I was still on a one-month notice period. Plus, I had a lot of untaken paid leave. Basically, it meant that I was walking out right then and there. So off I went, that very same day, to the shock and surprise of everybody. The next day, I sent an official registered letter requesting my overtime and back pay, and received a negative response, which I followed up with another detailed demand. This was also rejected, because the bonus was discretionary, and there is no overtime. However, I'd been seeking legal advice, and I understood that they don't have a leg to stand on if I'm willing to pay for an attorney. As the liabilities in such matter is firmly and 100% on the employer, I was willing to hire a lawyer. Now, you need to understand that going to a lawyer was very rare in those parts back then, so companies generally didn't expect this outcome. When going through the laws with the attorney, I noticed that there's a limitation of 7 years. So while my attorney was laying out what to do in order to get my money, I just asked him, what if we wait until it's 6 years and 11 months after the transgression and then file, demanding interest. I wanted this because the law stated that back pays due at 9% APR above the base rate, which was 3.25% at the time, accrued daily every day past the due date. We're looking at 12-12.5% to compound daily APR. The only risk is that the company folds in that time, but I decided to take that risk. I sent one final letter stating that I expect all the owed and accrued amounts to date to be paid immediately, and of course, nothing happened. For the next few years, life rolled on. The company did grow and become a known player in the area, and when the time came, I found an attorney and started the case. 
We had copies of all the communications, copies of the registered letters and responses. The back pay demanded now, including interest, was $112,000 instead of the original $50,000. And also, what I didn't know was that in addition to this, there are fixed penalties. The total demand was something like $135,000. And to say that the CEO, who is still the CEO, lost his crap, that would be an understatement. I got a verbally abusive phone call, which I dutifully recorded, and was added to the filing. The CEO fought, or tried to, but when the judge heard the phone call, he took an immediate dim view. Reading through all the communication just put more nails in the defense's coffin. The judge ruled and instructed the company to pay immediately, without delay, and also ordered the company to pay all my legal costs. They also got a full audit from the Department of Labor. The company paid up a week later. And to add insult to injury, the evening of the court's decision, the CEO apparently got very drunk and he crashed his car into another vehicle while drunk. He got a DUI conviction and lost his driving license for half a year and his insurance refused to pay out the damages to his vehicle because he was drunk. All in all, it was a glorious day. Guys, you know how much I love it when people play the long game against sleazy people like this. They always say high risk, high reward, and OP banking on the startup not folding was well worth it. And guys, I would have loved to have seen the CEO's face when OP served him the papers and was basically like, do you remember me? You used to owe me $50,000, but now it's almost $140,000. Hey, don't mess with people's money. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My grandpa was a successful man. And in his 60s, he decided that he wanted to take a step back, so he started selling off his businesses. He sold his various businesses and spent the next few years traveling. As he approached 70, he got bored, and in addition to a few new grandchildren, he needed a bigger house. He sold the old home that he had bought after he got back from Vietnam and bought this massive house on a large piece of land. The property also came with a massive steel barn. Now, I'm not sure if he ever told anyone about his plans, but right after he got the property, he dumped a ton of money into tools and equipment and converted his barn into a mechanic's dream. I remember him having a professional lift capable of lifting full-size trucks. He also had those professional oil catchers that you see at Quick Loops and a dedicated air compressor that was designed to power all of his power tools. Grandpa's plan was to fix cars, especially for people in need. Grandpa also lived in a rural community. If you didn't have a car, that was a big problem. So he let everybody know at his local church that he was willing to work on their cars if they provided the parts. He only took a few jobs a week. He was doing this to enjoy himself and to help those that needed it. He'd of course change oil, change transmission fluid, and all kinds of various repairs. My grandpa was a talented mechanic. However, he kept the amount of work limited. He was also selective. If you were in dire need and were scraping by, he'd want to fix your cars. But if you were well off and had the means to pay, he would often decline and ask you to go elsewhere. He only wanted to help people who needed it. So word got around that my grandpa was doing deeds for people, and one day, the owner of the local car dealership came by. And he told my grandpa that he needed to stop fixing people's cars because he wasn't properly licensed, didn't have the proper insurances, and it was hurting his business and his profits. 
My grandpa explained to the guy that this was just his hobby and he only does a few cars a week. And that's when the owner told him that he needs to cut it out or he's gonna sue my grandpa and destroy his business. My grandpa laughed over this and said, what business are you gonna sue me out of? Well, the owner walks out and a little while later, my grandpa got served. He was being sued by the owner of the car dealership. So at this point, my grandpa thought that he'd take a trip down to the dealership and try to reason with the guy. My grandpa hoped that he could come to an understanding. My grandpa spoke to the owner and basically explained that he only works on people's cars who are down on their luck. The fact is that people's cars he fixes probably couldn't afford a professional dealership to fix their vehicle. He also tells him that he only does a few cars a week and that he's not interested in getting into a fight over his hobby, but he's not gonna back down. Well, they ended up in court. And by this point, my grandpa had hired a lawyer who was able to get the city to approve a commercial garage on his property. It also helped that he lived on the outskirts of town and he had six acres of property. The court basically told my grandpa that his auto repair shop is running illegally. And if my grandpa wants to continue, that he's going to need to get a business license and get the proper insurances. And if he does that, he'll be good to go. Now, what do you think a man who has nothing but time and money in this situation is going to do? He's going to get his business license and insurances, of course. And when he did, that surprised no one, but he went further. My grandpa got a dedicated phone line to run in his shop, hired a full-time mechanic, put up a professional sign, and set up a little waiting area with a water cooler. And what shocked everyone even more is he ran a local TV ad, basically saying that he was a pay-what-you-can mechanic shop, reservations only. And he put ads in the local paper saying the same thing. That's right, folks. My grandpa is not only a licensed legal auto repair business, he has a certified mechanic on his payroll and he's running ads. As for his prices, they were quite simple. You could either bring the parts yourself and pay the mechanic whatever you wanted. The mechanic got a separate wage from my grandpa, so if you couldn't pay anything, that was fine. Or you could have my grandpa source the parts and he'd charge you the parts and you'd pay the mechanic whatever you want. My grandpa started taking jobs, and boy did that shop get busy. It was impossible to beat grandpa's price. Grandpa was essentially paying to fix your car for you. My grandpa would spend his days with the mechanic that he'd hired working on cars, and he loved it. About a year or so later, grandpa gets a call from a lawyer, who he says is representing a potential buyer of the local car dealership. However, the buyer wants to speak to my grandpa. My grandpa agreed. He sat down with a new buyer who expressed his concerns about buying the dealership. Service is a major profit center for a dealership, and he's considering buying the local dealership. However, he's not going to buy the dealership if my grandpa's going to keep operating the way he is, because it's impossible for a for-profit business to compete against someone selling their services for free. My grandpa agrees that there's no way someone looking to make a profitable business could ever compete against him. So they came to an agreement. The owner buys the dealership, and my grandpa would only work on a few cars a week, maybe five or six. He would also only work on people's cars who are down on their luck, and probably too poor to be able to pay a professional car dealership to fix the car. Also, any parts he needs, he will buy from the dealership, and any work he declined, he would refer to the dealership. The new owner agreed to let my grandpa be, and to stay out of his way, and also to hire his mechanic. They shook hands, and the local dealership was bought out. And for the next nine years, my grandpa would fix people's cars who were down in their luck, and if he had to buy parts, he'd buy them from the dealership. And as for the mechanic my grandpa hired, he ended up becoming the service manager, and he did quite well for himself. My grandpa, when he was 80, had a heart attack in his shop. Luckily, one of his grandkids was there, and they got him to the hospital, and he made a full recovery. 
but the doctor told him that his body couldn't handle working in that garage anymore. My grandpa shut down after that, and for the next three years, he looked out of his kitchen window staring at his shop, remembering all the fun he had in his garage. My grandpa passed away at 83, surrounded by friends and family. Listen guys, I just want to say that grandpa was the hero that the people needed. And just reading that all he wanted to do was help people who couldn't afford car maintenance just put a huge smile on my face. We need more people like him in this world. And what makes me even happier is knowing that the sleazy business owner probably had to sell his business for cheap due to superhero gramps over here sucking away all of his revenue. So my neighborhood doesn't have a homeowners association. At least, not anymore. When my parents first moved in with my older sibling, who was maybe two years old, and with me as a little glowworm, there was an HOA. They took money from the neighborhood in exchange for their services. At first, and for quite a while, my parents just kind of shrugged it off. The HOA shoveled the snow off the streets in the winter and dealt with trash collection, so they were doing something worthwhile, right? We found out, no, the city controlled the snow plows and the garbage trucks, not the HOA. But still, there was the illusion of effort. And besides, one summer day, they decided to contact a company to plant new trees all over the neighborhood. The fact that the company was owned by the son and the head of the HOA was totally coincidental. The trees were basically the beginning of the end for the HOA. And I'll tell you why. So my grandma on my dad's side was visiting when they came around to plant the trees. My grandma, who was a certified master gardener, stared through the windows of our house as the guys planting the trees just dropped the saplings on the grass. Still with their roots inside the bag, they came in. There were no holes dug, no holes cut, just a bagged sapling laying on the grass like a pathetic and sad stick. The saplings lay there all night, and no one came back to actually do their job and to plant them. My grandma mentioned offhand that those saplings were just gonna die unless they got into the soil. And something clicked in my mom's head. She was paying the HOA money every month, and the HOA was just gonna pull this half-assed crap instead of doing what she's paying them to do? No effing way. So she showed up to the head of the HOA's house and basically demanded that the trees get planted properly, like she's apparently paying them to do. And that's when the head of the HOA, so excited that someone was actually caring about the neighborhood, made their second mistake. They asked mom if she wanted to join the HOA. And mom agreed. The trees were planted, but most didn't make it. Grandma was right. So first things first, my mom shows up at the next HOA meeting. There were like five people there. No wonder they asked my mom to join. They needed the people. So mom looked at this collection of people who weren't even paying money to the HOA like the rest of the neighborhood. All the contractors the HOA called in were close relatives of other HOA members and weren't paid by the HOA. After all, they're family. So that's when my mom started digging. She spent pretty much the full summer taking down the HOA before she had to go back to teaching in the fall. My mom dug through years of paperwork, detailing the HOA's financial situation. And that's when she found something. She found something extremely enlightening. The HOA actually didn't do anything. Well, they didn't do anything to benefit the community. Everything they claimed to do was either covered by the individual homeowner or by the city itself. So they were collecting money from all the neighborhood's residents under false pretenses. And they actually weren't even supposed to be in our neighborhood. We found out that their association zone was a whole different neighborhood. That's when my mom decides to go door-to-door with pamphlets. Pamphlets explaining the situation and how to stop paying for services that you'll never get. The pamphlets are, of course, written in both English and Spanish to account for the high amount of Latino and Hispanic people in the neighborhood. And naturally, my mom got a lawyer and an accountant. It put a major dent in her pocket, but if that meant the entire neighborhood wasn't exploited for money each month, it was worth every penny. 
My mom rolled up to the courthouse, flanked by the lawyer and the accountant, with her kids safe at home with her husband, and she had more than enough evidence to get the homeowners association the F out of her neighborhood, and also to expose the fraudsters for the frauds they were, and to make sure that no HOA would ever push their luck in our neighborhood. It's been almost 19 years, and no one's even tried making another HOA in our neighborhood. Guys, I am so curious as to what the fallout of this was. Like, all those people basically stole money from others for who knows how long. And they definitely deserve a huge fine or even jail time. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash pro revenge. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's super satisfying stories. If you did, hit that thumbs up. And if you're not subscribed, consider subscribing so you don't miss these crazy, crazy stories. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, I'm going to link it right here. A psycho Karen demands OP give up his bike and tries to run him over when he refuses. Guys, it's such a crazy story, so go check it out if you haven't, and myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you.